creature that moves on the ground. See, this, this uh, passage was um, right after God, God had already gone through all the days and created the sun and the moon and the stars and, and the plants and, and all this. And then it gets to what is the crowning act of creation was mankind. The crowning act of creation was you and was me. And it says, unlike everything else, everything else was created, but mankind was created in the very image of God. And just like God is triune, just like God is Father, Son, and Spirit, you were created not only with a body, but you have a soul, you have mind, will, and emotions, and you have a spirit man. And God created all the earth just for mankind. You know, just a side note, sometimes we think like, you know, we, we look, as Christians, we, we, we think about, oh, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. And sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that heaven, this, the spirit, I guess wherever it is, you know, the spirit is our home. And it is our home. But think about this. If God wanted us in heaven, why did he create earth? Why didn't he just put us in heaven to begin with? Have you ever thought about that? See, earth was meant for men and women. God created all of earth. Why? So he could create man and put man in there. And God, God wanted a special relationship with man. He said, I'm creating you to look like me, to act like me. And just as I rule over all the spirit world and all of the heavens, so you will carry authority on earth and you will be gods on earth. Now, that's not blasphemy. It's the reality. We were to carry God's function and authority on, on earth. That's why it calls Jesus King of kings and Lord of lords, right? For there to be King of kings and Lord of lords, there has to be other kings and other lords. Have you ever thought about it? So, so me and you, we are kings. We are queens. We are made in God's image, and we were meant to rule through God's authority on this planet called earth. But, but we, we were created to do it in the context of relationship. See, you, you see in Genesis, God, when God created Adam and Eve and put them in a garden, which we'll look at in a minute, but it says that he walked and talked with them daily. He literally showed up, because he talks about him walking and, and, and hearing him come, and he would talk with them face to face. So although mankind was uh, created to live on earth, the purpose was that God would interact with them and, and would fellowship with them in a very physical way, that the presence of God would be manifest on earth itself. So... Uh, our original, here's my first point, our original function and our original purpose was to walk in genuine relationship with God and represent him on the earth. This is the true definition of worship. So when we, when we talk about worship, you know, sometimes we, we think, oh, well, the worship's the music. No, worship is relationship. Worship is the interaction. When you sing songs, it's just, get, it's just meant to get you to interact with God him, himself. You know, God could have done many things. He could have given uh, Adam and Eve a bunch of rules, right? Because that's what religion does. It tells you, don't do this, do this, right? He didn't give them rules. He didn't even give them the Ten Commandments, right? He told them one thing, don't touch the tree. And, but it, the context was God wanted a family. God wanted a relationship. 
He was never interested in traditions. He was never interested in all this other stuff. He just wanted to know Adam and Eve and, and have a relationship with them. Okay, let's look at Genesis. Let's go to, turn to the next chapter, uh, 2, verses 8 and 9. And then we'll have one more scripture we'll look at. Genesis 2, 8 and 9. It says, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I'm thankful to live on this side because I like beef. They ate on the trees. <laughs> I'm thankful for my steak and for my hamburgers. But uh, let's go ahead and look at Isaiah 51, 3 as well. Isaiah 51, 3 says, The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and sounds of singing. See, this, the, the word Eden actually means delight and presence. So God created man and, and, and created Adam and Eve and put them in this perfect utopia, this perfect environment. And, and the Garden of Eden wasn't the whole earth, but it was a specific part that was destined to be their home. And, and the word behind it was present. So mankind was destined and it was uh, the, the intended environment that God put them in was to put them in the midst of his presence. So their purpose was to be in relationship, and then in their, uh, the context of their environment was to, to be in the continual presence of God. See, the Bible has a lot of hidden things that if you start researching, you'll find a lot of the names mean things. When you say, I challenge you, start looking up some of the names of cities, of people, and find their meaning. So like some of the, the rivers in the garden, they mean things like prosperity, and breakthrough. Because in the presence of God, there's prosperity. There's breakthrough. There's every good thing in the presence of God. And that was always meant to be our home. But you, you know the story. You know exactly what, what happened. See, it was never meant to have to work ourselves up to be in the presence of God. It was never meant we have to go through the motions and sing all these songs just so we can feel the presence of God. That was meant to be your home, but the devil, the Satan, the, the deceiver came in and he tricked Adam and Eve, right? And he, he got them to, to disobey God and eat the fruit. I always find it interesting. He said, he told them, he said, God's basically holding out on you. And if you eat of this fruit, you'll be like God. They were already like God. Have you ever thought about that? It says they were created in his image. They were already like him. But, but the devil tricked them, and then you know what happened. They were banished from the garden, which is symbolic of they were cut off. They were cut off from the presence of God. They were cut off from what was supposed to be their intended home and their intended environment. See, everything outside of its intended environment eventually malfunctions. And the use of something outside of its intended purpose and instructions can bring great harm, right? So if you, have a, if you like to uh, listen to music, let's say you're old school. Let's say you have a boombox. I know, like, what's a boombox? It has MP3 capabilities, though. 
But, but you like to listen to it, and you get in, in and you uh, take it in the bathtub, and it falls in the water, right? What's going to happen? It's no longer going to work. Because that, that electronic was never meant to function inside of water. And matter of fact, it's, it's actually dangerous. What can happen? You're going to get electrocuted. <laughs> See, everything has an intended use and a, an intended purpose. And if you don't use it in its correct context, it's like a fish out of water. A, a, a fish can swim and do many things in the water, but you take it outside the water, and it's just going to flop there. Well, see, mankind was destined and to be in the presence of God, but then everything began to malfunction and become broken when we lost access to the presence of God. Purpose is hardwired in our DNA. We were created to worship. It is a part of the human, a part of what makes us human and makes us in God's image. The definition of worship, it comes from the old English word worship. In other words, it's what you put worth or value in. So we order our world and we order our environment and, and everything we do by assigning levels of value. That's how you make decisions, right? So if you really value your family, you're not going to work all the time. You're going to put a boundary there. Or if you really value growing in the Lord, you're going to make a commitment to fellowship and to grow and to sit under preaching, right? So we derive meaning from our life by, by assigning value and worth. And yet the, the hard truth is oftentimes we assign value and worth to the wrong things. Because like I said in the beginning, because we're, we're looking to fill that, that void. So we, we just... We go after things. We go after being successful. We go after um, money. We go after maybe it's sex, whatever it is. We go after all these things to, to fill our, our life. See, the devil knows how to keep us. Uh, he, he knows what we were designed to have, and he knows how to keep you busy by giving you counterfeits. Matter of fact, for everything that God has, the devil, your enemy, our enemy, he has a counterfeit. See, uh, people, people who, um, let's just use abuse drugs, a lot of times they're trying to gain peace. Now, peace is, it comes from the Lord. Sometimes they're trying to, in, in, uh, sometimes they're trying to gain uh, just a feeling of joy. Joy comes from the Lord, right? Um, at the heart, a lot of people who struggle with lust, what are they really longing for? Intimacy. Intimacy can be found in, in the, the Lord, right? So, so the devil knows how to give you things that in the moment they feel right, but in the end, it's a trap. And he only plays on the inmost desires of, of our hearts. So even in God's presence where there's success and you're supposed to have success, the devil will always try to, to tempt you, to get you to do things, to take success in your own hands, whether it's through cheating you know, or stealing. Um, but he knows how to get that hook inside of you. See, he perverts our purpose and disconnects us from our source. That's, that's always been his uh, agenda. And the reason why so many people are not free is because we've not learned to continuously access and live in the abiding presence of God. 
So here, here's what I'm saying. You were designed for a purpose to worship, and you were created for a specific environment, which is the presence of God. And in the presence of God, there's joy, peace, love, everything that the human heart really desires is in the presence of God. And wherever the presence of God is, there's unlimited resources, there's unlimited breakthrough, there's unlimited power. See, that was the secret to Joshua's success. Remember Joshua, who was Moses' successor, and he fought all these battles? There's an obscure little verse in the Bible that says this. It says, you know, Moses would always daily meet with the Lord in the tent of meeting. And there's one little line. It says, after Moses left, Joshua would just sit behind. And Joshua would just talk with the Lord and just sit in his presence. So Joshua knew the secret to success was in the very presence of God. And if you know the Bible, you know that the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God, everywhere the Ark went, what would happen? They would win. I need some of that in my life. Everywhere they went, they would win. If the ark of the Lord, if the presence of the Lord was there, they would win and they would be prosperous. The one time that they, the ark was somewhere else, the man got filthy rich because of the presence. The presence of God brings success and breakthrough. See, remember when I said everything depends upon one thing. Everything depends on us as Christians as abiding and learning to abide in the, the presence of God. The whole story of the Bible is God's redeeming plan, not just to get man back into his presence, but to put his presence inside of men. See, he was smart. He was already ahead of what the devil had. The devil tries to separate them. See, they had access to God's presence, and, and the Garden of Eden would come. But God had a greater plan of intimacy, of a way of getting his very spirit himself into man. So that no matter where man goes, God's spirit is always there. That the very presence of breakthrough is always there. That nothing can be done. The devil didn't see that one coming. See, the presence of God is everything. It, is, it, it will mess you up. How many of you, have you been messed up in the presence of the Lord before? It's undeniable. And experience with God trumps all knowledge. You know, see, I, I'm, I'm to the point no one could, uh, I, I don't care if they started disproving the Bible, nothing could get me to back down from the Lord. Why? Because I have firsthand experience. I have seen and experienced and felt things that, that other people can't explain. When, I remember when I, um, when I was 17, I came back to the Lord. Uh, I, I was feeling really empty in my life, and I had not been in church many years after my parents got divorced, and my my mom was hurt by the church, and I just remember, I was like, I, I felt the need and the desire to go to church. Um, so I remember I got in my car one day, and I didn't know what I was doing. I'm like, Lord, okay, where you want me to go? <laughs> and, um, you know, I was 17. I had my own car, and I, a thought popped in my head, and I, I went there, and the moment I stepped in that church, it was if I had come home after many, many years, nobody had to say anything to me because I felt God's love. I felt his warmth. It literally changed the direction of my life. And within a short time, of course, they got me playing the keyboard within a short time and pulled me in. And then, and then I remember God, uh, the first time I began to pray and I'm like, oh, my holy flipping word. I can actually hear God in my head when I pray. This stuff actually works. 
You know, I can really hear God. It's not some just form of religion like now I lay me down to sleep. I was excited. I could really experience God and felt his presence. And I remember God telling me, I have something more. He said, go to, go to camp. And I, if, if the teenagers, if I know, do you guys have a camp that you send them to? Yeah, go to camp if you have a camp to go to. Um, but I remember God telling me that, and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, um, <laughs> you know how in the book of Acts where they were drunk? I was drunk. People were coming up to me. <laughs> First of all, I, I got just smashed, and I was on the floor. And I, I remember every time I tried to get up, I'd be like stumbling around. Uh, and afterwards, I was like on a Holy Spirit high. People were like, Jeremy, what did you do? Uh, and I laughed and laughed, and my vision was blurred. I think I laughed till like 2 in the morning. But it radically changed my, that one experience. And I've had others since. See, that one moment changed my life forever. And no one, because I've had that personal experience, no one can tell me anything different. And there's been times like that that have shaped the, the director, that shaped my life. And we all need that. You need to have personal encounters with the Lord. See, this, what, what a lot of people don't understand about the word itself. Jesus said that the letter of the law kills. So you can take anything in this word and it can kill you if you're not in the right spirit. It's not the, the letters on the page. It's not the word itself. It's the spirit that breathes life to the word that empowers us to live. So you can be in an environment, and there's people who know a whole lot of Bible. Doesn't seem to think about it. The, the people in, um, the, in the Bible who Jesus had the problem with the most were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, none of us will ever know the word of God like them at least the Old Testament. These people had it memorized. There were scribes. They knew every dot. I mean, they had to copy, and they trained uh, on how to know the Bible from a very young age. And they knew it so well, but they missed the point. They missed the point. So the, so the Spirit gives us life, and we can, we can get stuck in religion and miss the relationship behind the religion. There's a lot of people today who think, well, I'm good. I go to church. I go to church a lot. It doesn't matter how much you go to church. Well, I'm a good person. It, I'm sorry, Oprah. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. The Bible says all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. And we're all sinners. If, but if we give our life to Jesus, we're saved by grace, right? But we have to be a presence-driven people. Well, I need, a, I need another amen. I got one little tiny amen. We have to be a presence-driven people. We have to be, as, as a church, we have to value and want the presence of God so bad that when we gather together, we're unsatisfied. We're not going anywhere until the Holy Spirit manifests and comes. Because when the Holy Spirit comes and moves among us, it shifts things. It changes things. It breaks through people's lives. People aren't changed by a church service. They're changed by the demonstration of the power of God. That's why Moses said, Lord, if you don't go with me, I won't go. And we have to be that way as Christians. Lord, if you're not with me, if I don't feel your presence, if I don't hear your voice, I'm not moving. I'm not going to go there. In the presence of the Lord is where healing happens. It's where breakthrough happens. It's where prosperity, everything you need is in the presence of, of the Lord. Yes. Amen. 
being a Christian, I'm going to keep this G-rated. Being a Christian um, or going to church without the presence of God is like being married with no intimate life. And last time I checked, nobody wants that. <laughs> it's a travesty because it's the presence of God that, is, that woos people. It's the presence of God that sparks people's heart. Do we really think our songs and our lights are going to change people's hearts? Nope. Do we think a great message? Yeah, it might motivate them for a minute, <laughs> and then they're going to go right back to the problem. It's only the Spirit of God that, that does that. You are meant to have a firsthand experience encounter with God for yourself. And if you have not, you need, to seek, you need to seek the Lord. You need to seek the Lord and say, God, I've heard about you. See, one, one of the biggest challenges, this is my challenge, this is, is a lot of our challenges. I think the greatest distance is the, what, what, what did I say, this is eight inches, is getting things from our head to our heart. And although God created reason, I've had to learn this over time, nobody told me this in the beginning, your human reasoning is flawed. And sometimes what you think you know will really get in the way of faith. If you're like me, I like to know everything. Thank God for Google and Siri. I don't know what people did before then. I, I mean, I don't even remember what I did before Google. But well, sometimes we went, but it, it's not about this. It's not about having all this memorized. It's about simply having faith and talking to God as a, as a friend. Amen. The presence of God is not just a feeling. It's the presence of a person, of the person God through the Holy Spirit, and the ecosystem that surrounds him. So to worship God is to, by the power of the Spirit, to set your mind and your affections upon him until he brings his ecosystem to reign over your entire life. As we do this, he becomes manifest in our reality and makes himself tangible. I know that's a mouthful, but here, here, here's what it means. It being more real. If you want to experience, experience him tangibly, then you have to learn to renew your mind and set your mind and your affections upon him. A lot of times what stops us is we're not focusing on him. So, so we go through the motions and we, we worship God and we read about, but we're, but we're still not aligned. Whatever you choose to focus on will manifest in your life. I know we don't always get this because we're talking about the spirit world. But if, if you begin to focus all your heart, all your mind on the Lord, he will make himself known. He will. I don't want to serve a God who is far off. I want to serve a God who will speak to me. He's able to give you the directions you need. He's able to tell you what to say before you ever walk into a meeting. It's that practical. How? It's spiritual. It doesn't always make sense. He's able to, uh, to put you in a situation where all of a sudden you're elevated. You can try all your life to try to get ahead, and then God in one moment can open a door. He wants to be a bigger part of our lives than we realize. And he's, uh, the one thing I find about the Bible is it's, a, it's way more literal than I ever thought. 
I, I find that out over time. When God says something, he really, he really means it. But whatever you focus on, that's, that's God will begin to manifest that in, in your life. And so the more you focus and align your mind with the word of God, his presence is going to come. And then when his presence comes, all these things that you're really wanting, your desires uh, are filled and breakthrough happens. It says that he inhabits the praises of his people. That means he lives there. As you say, thank you, Lord. That literally creates a throne for him to come and reign over your life. And the more you do that, the more it breaks through our dimension and you begin to feel it and you begin to see it. And before you know it, God's giving you dreams and visions and, and all these things. Yet so many people have not experienced this. This is what the Christian life is supposed to be. It's following a person. It's following the Holy Spirit. No formulas. No, no rules. It's not about singing songs. But whatever is in your heart is what, is what will, I can't, let me say it. Whatever is in your heart is what's going to come out. So the Bible says out of the abundance of the, the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So if my heart is in tune with God, if my heart really values God, what's going to come out of my mouth? Praise and, and, and worship. Sometimes people, uh, I've had people, um, you know, being a worship leader, I've had people ask, like, well, why do, we, why do we sing so many songs in church? And I, I laugh and, because when I really think about it, I don't want to go somewhere and sing songs. I don't want to sing songs. I don't, I don't need to sing along. But for me, worship is an encounter. To me, I'm interacting and I'm singing to a person, and, it, and it's intimate. This person, this is a person that is my friend. This is a person that I love. So I'm not just having a sing-along. I'm having an encounter and interaction. As a matter of fact, I've, I've, I've told some young people, I said, the minute I start talking about the Holy Spirit, I feel him. I said, I said, look, I got goosebumps because I have that kind of relationship with him. When I speak about him, he manifests in the room. And that's what it is to be a, a, a Christian, he, to have that kind of intimate relationship with, with us. But whatever the, uh, you see, the simply result of what you, let me back up. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This means that a person's behaviors are simply a result of what's going on in their heart. What you see is simply a result of what you don't see. So the magnitude of my public worship is simply the overflow of my private devotion. So whatever I do in secret, the relationship that I build with the Lord in the quiet place is going to manifest everywhere I go. You want people around you to be saved. You need the Holy Spirit moving and the presence of God working. So you have to spend time getting to know him in, in the quiet place. There's a thing called PDA. Sometimes I've been caught in awkward situations. Like I remember this, this young couple. Oh, Lord. They were in front of me. And God bless them. They were, let's see, they weren't the best looking people. <laughs> But they were just having a great time together. Let me say that. And I'm just, you know, it's kind of awkward. I'm like trying to not, not look at them. But, but um, they were just, they, the evidence of their relationship was there because it was overflowing into, their, into the public life. If you're, 
gonna be funny for a minute. If your boo-boo, your honey bear, never wants to hold your hand in public, you have a problem. Mm-hmm. See, I told you. <laughs> if, if, if there's no affection showed in public, there's probably something uh, wrong in, in the private place. But um, when, when there's that relationship there, it just flows naturally. Out, it flows naturally out of us. And so that's what worship is. Worship is, is that it's flowing naturally out of my, my heart. You know, some, sometimes there's a thing called a side piece. It's a, it's a slang term. A side piece is somebody that, like, when, when a, a guy, it could be a woman, is in, has a public relationship with uh, somebody, um, but then behind the scenes, there's no commitment and there's no covenant, right? So I, I just walk with you because I like the way it looks. You look good with me. That's called a side piece. And sometimes, let's, let's be honest, sometimes we're guilty of treating Jesus like that. Sometimes we're guilty about, you know, we, we, we say we want him. We say we serve him. But then we really go about our life kind of doing whatever we want. And we don't include him in our life. He wants to be a part of our, our everyday uh, life. I, it, you know, even in our culture, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me. Every award show, they get up and they thank the Lord. But your song is cussing. And your song is... And they have all these crosses all over them. And side piece Jesus. Because in our culture... It's correct to go to church. And our culture is correct to say the things of God uh, or to use the name of God. But there is no allegiance to him whatsoever. Even to the point of, uh, you know, Kanye West is now having his own service. See, this is, it's just religion. That's, that's all it is. But there's no commitment to really follow the Lord. You know that song? You remember the country song? Jesus, take the wheel, take it from my hands. <laughs> the problem with what people don't understand is, uh, number one, you're still in the driver's seat. How can Jesus take the wheel if you're in the driver's seat? Because if somebody tries to take the wheel and you're driving, you're going to get into a crash. So you're trying to drive your life telling Jesus to take the wheel, and, and, and you just that's going to cause a disaster. Let go. Stop trying to control everything about your, your life. Let, let God in. But the point, the point that I was making is your inner devotion will always display in your outer actions. See, the truth is I can't help but praise the Lord. I can't. When, if I'm leading worship, it's something. It's just, I love, I'm so thankful for him. I'm so thankful for what he's done for me in my life. And even when I go through the hardest of times, which we all go through hard times, there's seasons of dryness, there's difficult seasons, there's times when we thought, God, why did you not come through? I've been praying for this for so long. Where were you? And it's hard and it challenges our faith. But you know what keeps me going? I have history with him. 
So I don't understand what he's doing at the moment, but I'm okay because he's shown up time and time again. And I just have learned, I just got to be in his presence. No matter what I hear, no matter what I see, I've got to be in his, his presence. So I, I can go, I'm going to wrap this up. I can go on and on. We can talk about the presence of God, but here's what you, you, you have to know. You have to know this. Number one, you were created for a purpose, and your purpose was to worship, Amen. which simply means you were created for a relationship with God. And number two, you were created to be daily, every moment. You were created not to visit the presence of the Lord. You were created to continuously live in constant presence. You were created to live in constant overflow, in constant blessing, in constant breakthrough, in constant healing, in constant prosperity. This is your right as a son of God. So we have to learn to abide in his presence. We have to learn not just to work ourselves up in worship, but to live in the continual awareness of the presence of, of God. So here's my question for you today. When is the last time, you can go ahead and put some music on, when's the last time you felt and spent time in the presence of God? You should absolutely 100% feel the presence of God. I know, I know sometimes we, we take it for granted, but you should, you should feel him. He should be real to you. Was it last year? Was it last month? Was it, when's the last time you heard his whisper telling you something specific? The presence of God was never meant to be a destination, but a continual reality, and your life depends upon it. Your success.